On this episode of the Nesson Soccer Podcast, we discuss how Liverpool will survive without the services of injured defender Joe Gomez. Plus, will Cristiano Ronaldo be donning new club colors in the near future? Hello and welcome to the Nesson Soccer Podcast International Break Window Edition. I am Mark along with Marcus. Marcus, how are you doing this afternoon? Uh, I'm good. Yeah, can't complain. All right. I forgot to mention our other guest, uh, the bird outside your door, the window, <laughs> was chirping before we started recording here. Yeah, so trying, to, trying to throw me off my game. Yeah, if anybody Not, hears that, that's what that is. Not today, bird. <laughs> so today we're going to, we got some good news and some bad news, and we're going to start with the bad news. And that starts with Liverpool center back Joe Gomez who suffered a serious knee injury. It's kind of a mysterious injury because it happened at in practice with the English national team as he's on break from Liverpool on international duty. There was no contact. No one was near him. And it required surgery on his tendon and didn't damage any ligaments. So this is kind of, you know, it's, it's unclear just how serious this is. Like, is it one, is it, it's not a torn ACL. It's not something that, is okay, he's done for a whole year, as far as we know, but there's not really a defined timetable either. But what is clear is that Joe Gomez will be out for, let's just call it a significant amount of time of the 2020-2021 season. This, is, of course, is a huge hit for Liverpool, who have already lost Virgil van Dijk for a significant portion of the season, if not the whole season. And uh, just a devastating blow for 23-year-old Joe Gomez. But Marcus, kind of like in a grander perspective, what does this mean for Joe Gomez? Oh, it's a terrible, terrible blow for him uh, because he was one of the players who was uh, not only in contention for a spot on England's Euro 2021 team, but he might have been a starter next to uh, Harry Maguire. Um you know, should Harry Maguire hold his spot at, on uh, England's back line? Um, yeah, really bad for Gomez because this was a season for him to uh, really grow as a player. Uh, he missed a significant period of time in 2017, 2018, um, or it might have been 2018, 2019. He missed the 2018 World Cup because mm -hmm. of a serious knee injury. And so this is a uh, second major tournament in a row where uh, it could either be in doubt or he could miss it. Uh, it's really tough to say because of the limited amount of information on it that uh, Liverpool is sharing. Um, but, you know, it's a young player who has been, uh, he came back from one serious knee injury, came into his own, helped Liverpool win the, uh, win the premier league last year he was pivotal uh he was part of he played a small part in liverpool's uh champions league winning team in 2019 um i think he you know came on as a last minute sub in the final but uh yeah a tough blow for uh for joe gomez because he would have been uh liverpool's top center back this season uh in the absence of virgil van dyke and possibly England's top 
center back. And uh, now that will not be the case. Um, we don't know how much time he's going to miss. Uh, Liverpool said in quotes, a significant portion. Um, something tells me that because he suffered the injury Wednesday and had surgery on Thursday, uh, this could move a little bit faster than it sounds initially. Um, when Virgil van Dyke, Virgil van Dyke didn't have surgery on his knee for, uh, oh, it was, I want to say around a week, had to wait for some swelling to go down. Um, you know, there is a chance, there's probably a good chance Gomez comes back sometime in, uh, the spring, maybe, mm. uh, when does spring start? March 21st? Maybe, yeah. Do you want the exact day? <laughs> uh, no, but I think it's in March or is it in April? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, March, March 20th. Actually, it is March 20th. March 20th. Uh, yeah. So I would expect him back after that, but when, um, I don't know because I don't know what the injury is, but what I do know is that it's a uh, tough blow for Gomez. Yeah, I, it's what sticks out to me is, although unfortunate, the opportunity that he had in the absence of Virgil van Dyke to um, not just take on the sort of uh, Robin role to Virgil van Dyke's Batman, but to be kind of the main guy um, on the Liverpool back line. And um, it it's it's a tough situation for Liverpool now because I think well well in a couple of ways I was just thinking about this that Liverpool entering this season we said a surefire uh, favorites to defend the title but it was going to be probably extremely difficult and they didn't really have any excuses now they have every excuse in the world for why they might not defend their title. Um, not that that's a good thing, but it, I feel like kind of some guys are off the hook now and, you know, you're just going to be able to point to injuries to say, this is why we weren't able to defend the premier league title, but, uh, yeah, Liverpool sits tied on points in second place, uh, at 17 points, one point off the lead Leicester city. Um, it's going to be, uh, the premier league is kind of topsy turvy anyway, but it's very difficult for Liverpool to, um, you know, they're, they're going to have a hard enough time staying in the top four, let alone winning the Premier League, I think, at this point. Yeah, that was a very polite and diplomatic way of putting it. Um, this, is <laughs> a, this is a full-blown crisis in defense for Liverpool. Um, they, they're, they're top two center backs, the, one who, the ones who uh, – helped them become runaway champions last season are now out. Uh, they're going to rely on Joel Matip, who is, uh, uh, let's call him injury prone for lack of a better word. <laughs> um, Fabinho, who is a center mid a defensive midfielder by trade. Uh, he played one game very well at the back, suffered an injury. Uh, he should be back. I want to say in late November, early December. And then after that, they have uh, 23-year-old Nathaniel Williams and 19-year-old Reese Williams. Uh, sorry, Nathaniel Phillips and 19-year-old Reese Williams, um, neither of whom I can tell you much about uh, because I have not uh, seen them play in action for 90 minutes. And they're both very, 
very green. Uh, Reese Williams is actually a rookie. Um, so this takes us back to their summer transfer business. They sold Dejan Lovren uh, to, uh, I believe it was Zenit St. Petersburg. He, uh, boy, he would have been their top guy. He was number three, maybe number four in their uh, center back rotation last, uh, last season. And uh, they let him go. They did not replace him. And now it only seems um, it, it's uh, expected that Liverpool will try and buy a center back in the January transfer window. Um, but whatever they do, uh, they, they're not going to replace Virgil van Dijk, who's arguably the best center back in the world. Joe Gomez, who was his Robin to Batman, was so well put. Um, so, yeah, it's a uh, it's a crisis for Liverpool, if Joel Matip and Fabinho can stay healthy and uh, develop an understanding. I'm not sure they've ever played 90 minutes together. Um, if they have, it's, you know, maybe once or twice. Um, if they could do that, they might be able to hold on until the transfer window opens in January. But there is a lot of games coming between now and then. Uh particularly Leicester City, which is their first game <laughs> after the break. So uh, there is no, uh, the scheduling gods have no mercy on Liverpool. <laughs> um, and we're about to find out how much they they need it. Yeah, I mean, um, I think at this point, the best defense for Liverpool is a, is a good offense. Um, and there might not be any way around that. I, the, the only... Good part of this is that, yeah, they still do have, a, you know, maybe the best attack in the world still. Um, picking up Thiago from Bayern Munich just looks better and better with these injuries that um, are piling up for them. Um, I'm also looking and the, they luckily got out to a fast start in uh, Champions League play, three wins and three matches in their groups. So they'll likely still advance out of the group stage of Champions League and maybe can use those midweeks. Um, to kind of rest up and keep pace in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, you're right, Marcus. I mean, I'm they got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches uh, between now and eight Premier League matches plus three Champions League matches. So 11 in total matches before the new year. Um, so yeah, the uh, the scheduling God's not doing them any favors at all. There'll probably be um, another cup match that gets plugged in there somewhere. Yeah, um, it's uh... <laughs> it's tough. I mean, so I guess the question becomes, you know, when you look at the Premier League, if we want to do a little bit of a big picture step back, um, is Leicester City uh, legitimate, you know, front runners now? I mean, they are the leader after eight games. Tottenham's right there. And, you know, Man City is still kind of squandering. And Liverpool, of course, now dealing with everything they're dealing with. Um, I wouldn't call them front runners. I wouldn't call anybody anything after eight games of a 38-game season. But uh, they're in the mix. Um, but Gomez's injury certainly opens the door a little wider for Leicester, Tottenham, or anyone else who have uh, title ambitions to uh, really go for them. Because, you know, this isn't. Liverpool's strongest team won't be out there for uh, most of this season. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I think uh, if to kind of look at it in a positive way, uh, recently the Premier League's competitiveness at the top, like as far as who will win the league, has um, maybe not been quite as interesting as some other leagues around Europe. Uh, I think this year the Premier League will be the most fascinating title race of the uh, major leagues. And, um, you know, it's a result of these injuries, but it's also a result of, you know, Leicester City really playing extremely well. And then um, just a lot of interesting things going on. I mean, Chelsea made all of their moves, but at the same time dealing with some injuries of themselves. And then, you know, anytime Manchester United is kind of battling relegation, I mean, it just creates more and more intrigue. Yeah, um, I think so. A lot to be kind of zoning in on with the Premier League, and I, in a way, I, I'm not, I'm not happy that these two players, that Van Dyke and Gomez, picked up these injuries because it really is a shame. But I am happy that, um, you know, we can kind of tune in and watch this race develop. Um, especially having Leicester City kind of involved at the top is just really exciting. Uh, it's it's kind of like a throwback to when they won a few years ago um, with uh, Jamie Vardy still scoring a ton of goals for them. And, you know, it's just, it's a, it's kind of just like a new, a new thing to be interested in. Um, and, uh, you know, so I'm a little excited for it. Oh, good. So am I. Uh, it'll certainly be more interesting, but, um, you know, there's so much more of the season to go. Um I'm not going to make any predictions about it now, other than just saying the door is open. Okay. Well, let's get into our second topic, which uh, is sure to uh, turn some heads. And it's, it's important to note that this is very much just a rumor at this point. Um, But we'll just kind of say it. There is speculation around Cristiano Ronaldo that he may leave Juventus this summer. Uh, That would be one year before his contract expires. And uh, it's, it's hard to say what exactly that would mean at this point. I, Cristiano Ronaldo, he still scores goals and as it has changed his game to be, to kind of stay effective, you know, in the same way Zlatan Ibrahimovic has stayed effective at such an old age, but you know, he's not exactly uh, a 25 year old Cristiano Ronaldo. So it's, it's interesting to see, like, if there's really any legs to these rumors. Does it make sense for Ronaldo to leave Juventus? I mean, you look at Juventus, they kind of are able to, um, I don't want to say easily win the Serie A every year, but they are certainly in control of what goes on in Italian soccer and are able to really heavily focus on Champions League, which allows Ronaldo to kind of play in the most important matches and get up for the most important matches whenever he needs to and allows a lot of time for him to maybe sit out a match or two when he needs to get rest. Um, so for me, and this is what I thought when he transferred to Juventus a couple of years ago or a year ago, uh, is that a place like Juventus is kind of a perfect spot for him or, or like maybe a Paris Saint-Germain, um, kind of a dominant uh, force within their country. But Marcus, I mean, why don't you explain this rumor a little bit more for us? <laughs> yeah, you dove in without actually diving in because <laughs> I didn't give you anything to dive into. 
two stories came onto my radar uh, in the last couple days, uh, which kind of piqued my interest. Uh, the first came out of Portugal, which said that Manchester United had made, uh, sorry, no. The first came out of France, where PSG's uh, Nasser Al-Khalifi, I believe he's their CEO or uh, something, or their president, uh, he was talking about Ronaldo's future. And he was saying that due to his uh, status and his wages, there is a closed circle. And I put those in quotes, closed circle. <laughs> of the clubs that could possibly sign him. And then he said, and PSG is one of the clubs inside that circle. Uh, so uh. PSG, um, we should probably take it back to summer of uh, 2020, oh, this past summer, or, or maybe even earlier this year, there were just little rumors and whispers that Cristiano Ronaldo wouldn't be at Manchester United, uh, sorry, wouldn't be at Juventus for too long uh, because Juventus having somewhat of a cash crunch. And I think this was, I think this came out actually before the pandemic hit. Uh, so any kind of cash issues that Juventus might have, have only been exacerbated over the last uh COVID months. I don't know how long it's been going on, but <laughs> the uh, they said that uh, Juventus gave uh, gave Ronaldo's representatives, his agents, uh, permission to just sort of look around and see what else is out there. Um, these transfers are never done entirely above board as they are supposed to be done. Uh, they always involve whispers and secret talks and dinner meetings here and there, uh, probably Zoom calls now. Uh, but they said, let's, you know, get out there and just see what, you know, if there were any clubs out there that were interested in signing Ronaldo, lo and behold, PSG was one of them. Uh, this is the first time I've heard somebody from PSG's camp come out and address the Ronaldo rumor directly. And he said, we are one of the clubs that could sign him. So, that came out, uh, I believe it was Tuesday, maybe Monday. Now, on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, a report <laughs> came out of Portugal that was uh, put out in the Manchester Evening News, which was that Manchester United made an offer to Cristiano Ronaldo's representatives oh. uh, saying, you know, signaling that, yes, they are interested in bringing him back after... Boy, how long has he been gone now? A decade? Uh, yeah, no longer than that. I'd say uh, at least 11 years uh, that they would be interested in bringing him back. So, yeah, this is early. It's November. But if you look out to June, July 2021, Cristiano Ronaldo could be on the move. Keep an eye on Manchester United and PSG. Um. Wow, Marcus, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I certainly, I would not want him to go to Manchester United. Um, I think that'd be a disaster. I don't think that they would. Uh, I, I just want him to be on a team that is going to be playing for cup titles um, and, you know, being 
doing very well in Champions League. And um, here's the thing. He's not going to Manchester United. If Manchester United doesn't get their act together and get themselves into Champions League, he's not going to go to a team that's not in Champions League. Uh, and right now, Man United does not look like they'll finish top four in Premier League. So I think that would put a stop to that. But uh, it's certainly very interesting. I, I, Like I said before, I think Juventus is the perfect situation for him. I did also say a team like PSG would be a good situation for him. So it would. that's kind of the only place that I can see it. Um, you know, because PSG does typically have, you know, not too tough of a time in in France and in Ligue 1. But uh, yeah, I this it, I appreciate this rumor, but <laughs> I think it's too far out for me to get too emotionally invested in what's going on. <laughs> All right, well, uh, give it time. Yeah, I will, can... and I'll, I'll be I'll be looking for whispers too. Yeah. Um, but let's get uh, well first. Uh, we got our Zlatan quote of the week before we get to our matches of the weekend, Marcus. Um, last week on the show, our Zlatan qu- quote of the week uh, was in reference to Zlatan's uh, Instagram post and tweet, which was a picture of himself in the Swedish national team jersey um, saying, Long time no see. And uh, this week, after uh, AC Milan's draw versus Hellas Verona. He was asked about uh, his photo in the Swedish national team shirt, and his response to why he posted it was, "quote It was to irritate Sweden." Unquote. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know I why would... he wanted to irritate Sweden, but that's what he said. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Why would that irritate Sweden? I don't know. Uh, is that is that like a tease, a teasing of his return? Uh, maybe. Uh, I don't know. But Marcus, uh, I'm going to kind of go on a bit of a rant with my match of the weekend. So why don't you go with yours first? Uh, mine is uh, loyal listeners of the show know my ambivalence toward. Uh, Oh, no, this actually isn't a friendly. Sorry. Uh, mine, Portugal versus France. It's 2.45 Eastern time on Saturday. Catch it on ESPN Plus and Unimas. Uh, they're both tied on points in their UEFA Nations League group, uh, group three. Uh, Portugal has a plus four goal differential. So I'm expecting France to go out there and uh, play to win. This is a rematch of the Euro 2016 final uh portugal mm-hmm. is still the defending champion and uh yeah nations league it's somewhere in between uh major competition and uh friendlies they're competitive games so i will watch right. them um, or at least i will take note of what transpires and uh yeah france versus portugal two of the leading nations uh, i'll be interested just to see what happens that's definitely a good pick marcus my pick is uh, I'm going to be watching all of Scotland's games in this international window. They have three of them. Okay. The most important of which is um, on Thursday, November 12th, which is today, time of recording. Uh, that game kicks off a little over an hour from when we're recording right now. So by the time our listeners listen to this, it likely will have just begun or has ended. Um, but the reason I am so 
invested in Scotland is because this might be their most important international window in some years. Uh, today they play at Serbia at 2.45 p.m. in a Euro qualifiers playoff. The winner clinches a trip to Euro 2021, um, and that would be the first time Scotland qualified for the Euros since 1996, just the second time in their history. They've never advanced out of the group stage of the Euros. Um, and I mean, let's just, you know, nothing against Serbia, but like, would you rather Scotland or Serbia be competing in the Euros? I would rather Scotland be competing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I have no dog in that fight, but uh, sure. Well, I mean, it would know. be nice to see Scotland back uh, at a major international tournament just because of their you know, proud heritage and uh, yes. the role that they played in uh, the development. The of, uh, uh, yeah. The history and also, you know, the, uh, the English game, um, mm -hmm. you know, we talk uh, ad nauseum about the premier league and um, you can't, you, you shouldn't overlook the role of Scottish players and uh, coaches as well as those from um, Ireland. Uh, yeah. Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. <laughs> Wales. Wales. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Know, it's, it's not just England uh, is what I'm, uh, I guess, <laughs> what I'm, the point I'm limping toward. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to your point, Marcus, uh, the Scottish national team has, a handful of Premier League players, and of course, as, as you'd expect, players on clubs like Celtic and Rangers in Scotland. Uh, but John McGinn is the leading scorer in these Euro qualifiers for Scotland. He has seven goals. Uh, he plays for Aston Villa, and there is no other player on Scotland with two goals. But nine other players have one goal. So ah. they've scored a total of 16 goals in, in the qualifiers with John McGinn having nearly half of them. Uh, and I won't go too much longer on Scotland, but they do kind of continue on after this, you know, vitally important Euro qualifier playoff. Uh, they then go into their nation's league games where they have two, they play Sunday at Slovakia and Wednesday at Israel. Now they currently lead, group B2 uh, by four points. And if they can clinch promotion to uh, Nations League group A or, or League A, um, which is the top flight of Nations League. And I mean, that's significant only because while it might not be such a big deal for the likes of France and Italy and Germany to be competing in Nations League A, Scotland uh, is a country you wouldn't be surprised to see in Nations League C or D. So for them to earn promotion to League A, uh, would they be competing with just – it's only 12 teams or 16 teams that compete at the top level. So, I mean, it's just another opportunity for them to be kind of at the front and center of uh, international soccer when they just haven't been for so long. So it's just a truly important weekend for Scotland. And I'm going to be all invested, even if it's just for, you know, less than a week's time. I'm I'm in, Marcus. I'm in. <laughs> all right. Uh, you've convinced me that uh, this actually matters. So all congratulations. right. Congratulations. 
Um, well, yeah, so that I think does it for our show this week, Marcus. Uh, of course, U.S. men's national team is playing uh, two friendlies this week that we talked a lot about last week. So if you wanted to hear more about that, check out last week's podcast. Uh, we went deep dive on the men's national team, United States men's national team. Um, but yeah, not too many stories this week. So we kept it short, but a lot of international soccer. And if you are one that gets annoyed with the international windows, just do a little research and figure out what's going on. And you'll figure out that Scotland has some big games. Yeah. And you know, so there are some other countries with some big games too. So or a to to FIFA. right. Or, yeah. Yeah. Petition to have less international matches. Uh, but yeah. So thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you, Marcus, for joining me. And, uh, to everyone that wants to keep listening, please continue to follow us on Nesson.com slash podcast and search Nesson Soccer Podcast on Spotify and iTunes, where you can like, subscribe, comment, and download, and you know keep up with every single podcast and let us know how we're doing. Um, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, but Marcus, enjoy the weekend. Thank you. You too. Turn up the rebel radio. Bring wise you must have to go. Turn up the rebel radio.